Hi, I'm Nigel the Shanghai Psychic. I can tune into your loved ones in the spirit world, but I can also tune into you, tell you about your path and the choices that you need to make and need to know. I'm currently giving 30% discount on all Tell Craig Your Story listeners. Just use the code Tell Craig Your Story for 30% off your first psychic reading with me online at Nigel the Shanghai Psychic. Hi guys, Craig here. Welcome to another edition of the podcast, Tell Craig Your Story. Today we'll be speaking to Smack Improv Comedy Brand. And we'll be speaking to Kurt Mabry, who is the founding member. And we're also speaking to Lillian Shen, who is the director of the Shanghai Smack Improv Comedy Brand. Now, Smack formed in 2009, and they branched out to many different cities across the world. Before COVID, they were doing international shows all around the world. Now, Smack Improv have training centers. So if you are interested in becoming a performer in the Smack Improv, please go to their website and you'll be able to have a look at all the different courses available. They also have corporate events. And at the moment, they're doing puppet shows, improv shows online, And they're slowly getting back, especially in Shanghai, to playing regular shows. But before we go, please go to our website. We're at Podbean. Tell Craig Your Story at podbean.com. We also have a link tree there, which tells you where Tell Craig Your Story podcast is streaming. We are on all the major streaming services. We also have a YouTube channel there. Make sure you're subscribing to get all the latest updates. And we have VK for our Russian listeners and we chat for our Chinese listeners. All right, here we go. This is my chat with Kurt and Lillian from Smack Improv on Tell Craig Your Story podcast. Hi guys, how are you going today, this afternoon? Hi. Hello. <laughs> Thank you for coming in. I really do appreciate your time. It's been... I think I asked you guys maybe a couple of months ago if you could come into the podcast, but it's sort of 
people <laughs> being in different countries and yeah. you know yeah, busy, i've only been back really a few weeks so busy yeah. schedules so i <laughs> uh, really really do appreciate the time so we've got two people here so let's yeah. uh introduce yourself and what's your sort of role in in the company i'm lillian shen and i'm the artistic director of smack and yeah <laughs> uh, i'm kurt mabry and i'm the founder of smack improv family right really really cool i I must have been living under a rock because uh, the first time I saw you uh, was at the popcorn mm. and you did the cre- cre- curator's, curator's cut. cut. Yeah. One and of the finest shows to ever come out of. <laughs> yeah. So uh, tell us a little bit about this curator's cut because mm. it's so interesting uh, <laughs> to watch. How, how, how long does this production sort of take to sort of get up and going? Um, so you kind of saw like a mini version of it because we only got like a half an hour slot. Right. Um, but basically, it's a completely improvised two act like drama, and we're trying to like take you know improv is very commonly associated with comedy, and we're trying to kind of do a darker, more twisted version of improv, and it's long form, which. We haven't done a ton of in, in Shanghai just because like um, we're trying to get people get used to the concept of improv and short form and all these things. And, and my idea was that, um, you know, Mark wanted to do something that's choose your own adventure. And I thought this format would also keep the audience more engaged because they're interacting with the long form the whole time because it's one story for an hour and a half. I think it's worked super well because it's it's helped people understand that it is improvised, you know, um, but also at the same time um, has that constant interaction that short form has. So everyone's very engaged. Um, And so it's been super fun kind of bringing this to different audiences. And what, and what I really love what you just said was everyone's involved. Like, yeah. I even got people coming up to me asking me, are you the guy that shot person? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's like, uh, you know, I had my drums and I was dressed up as Michael Jackson. And, and I said, what? No, no, I'm not. No, 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 I'm not. Uh, so I just sort of playing the game. So yeah. I thought it was really cool that uh, everyone got involved. And, and for you, Kurt, you said you just come back from... Uh, from Thailand. Thailand. Yeah. Is that, you are saying, I've read that uh, you're developing, like, Smack in Bangkok. Well, I, after Smack had celebrated its 10-year anniversary here in Shanghai. Yeah. Thank you. Congratulations. Back in 2019, um, I was flying back and forth to Bangkok for some of my work. I do applied improvisation, corporate training and development, and executive coaching. And there was a group of people in Bangkok who asked me to come teach them improv. And I thought, you know what? This is a city that values art. It's another culture. Maybe we can create smack there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it would have worked too. <laughs> had it not been for some unanticipated things, like I was not, <laughs> was not prepared for the level of corruption in the kingdom, which is different than here. And that made it difficult. And then, hello, COVID. No. You know, and then that kept me kind of stuck there until I could get back. Uh, Lillian and I have been working hard for the past six months to figure out how to get me back here. Mm. So uh, uh, let's yeah. talk. Let's talk about this. This was my next question. It's affected everybody. How did it affect uh, Smack, the company? Did you have shows booked uh, coming up in that period? And then I've also seen uh, you've gone online, which uh, you know. 
I think is a great idea um, and it'll you know broaden your fan base. So so tell us all about leading up to COVID and then when it actually happened. Well, we were you know Lily is is the leader of Smack Shanghai and I was trying to develop Smack Bangkok so. She was dealing with things here, and when things locked down, I saw a lot of improv happening online, so I created this brand, Smack Virtual, hmm. and we try, we've got a successful uh, sketch comedy show called Typical Heroes, mm-hmm. and it's got our, our next episode's coming up on Sunday. And Is it three uh, or four? Four. Four, right. It's, uh, it's improvised sketch, so we create digital shorts like Saturday Night Live, and then we improvise live sketches. But the big thing has been creating an online community. And for that reason, now we have active smackers all over the world. And uh, I'm now turning over the leadership of Smack Virtual to smackers based in San Diego and London. Right. As I focus on working with Lily here in Shanghai. Mm. That is really, really cool. And obviously it's starting to come back. You're doing performances now. So during that time, how did you feel, you know, about... It was definitely super tough. Like, Mm. we also, like... So COVID was, like, January. uh, Like, January is when we first found out about, you know, all the lockdown and stuff. Mm. And, like, half it... Like, six or seven months before that was when Kurt had left to go to Bangkok, bunch of smackers left. So mm. we were already kind of like figuring out our new situation and then COVID happened. And I and I felt like I mean we didn't I don't think we had shows planned that were cancelled just because it was like end of end of January and you know Chinese New Year was coming up. Yes. Right. So it was like there wasn't so many shows that were in the books. Um, but we did have corporate trainings that were that were indefinitely postponed which was definitely tough because that's our main like source of income it was just really sudden and it was hard to figure out i think like as as the leader i was trying to figure out okay how long do you think this is gonna be you know trying to figure out how serious it is and for the longest time i was totally in denial it's like it's gonna be like sars right it'll be like two (laughs) weeks two months like at most (laughs) yeah and i just wanted to believe that it was going to be a very limited amount of time that was going to affect us and then it's going to get better mm. and it definitely affected us a lot longer um than it would have no shows no classes um no corporate training so it was like six months like completely down classes came back before shows because it was smaller group right um so we definitely uh you know tried to start up classes as soon as we could under the condition that people were comfortable with it and then yeah and then we started doing shows again actually for the first few months when shows came back it was actually really good because people were really excited to get out of their house to to be with friends to watch something fun and make them laugh you know so it was definitely like just up and down the whole time and you know like august we had another like oh we're not so sure there's some breakouts here and there so Mm. we did have a show canceled recently um, in August, so it's just yeah, it's 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 been hard, but we persevere. <laughs> it's very interesting you say yeah. that, and that you've actually survived it because a lot yeah. of companies here in Shanghai and all over the world have gone under. Yeah, um, what Lillian accomplished was superhuman. Yes, <laughs> keeping the family together because it did fall apart in Bangkok. Right, and I'm grateful for what I created online. 
but watching what Lillian did here in Shanghai, it made me realize that the greatest thing I ever did with Mac was asking her to lead it. Yeah. I mean, we... That's a big compliment. That's yeah. A compliment. So, you know, I look at your website and I see all the way through it, the word family. So tell us about that, like the, the Smack family, like it seems very, very close, very intimate. Tell us about that. Like many people, I'm a foreigner in Shanghai, and Shanghai also has many, many Waidiren, people yes. from different parts of China, and people are sometimes looking for a connection because this city is largely about achievement and income, you know, and... It's not quite the same as Beijing, you know, about where culture is concerned, although Shanghai has a beautiful art scene and live music scene. And so what I realized was that we're all kind of looking for that family. And so although we were about improvisational theater, one of the things that makes improv work is that it's fun. And one of the things that makes it work is that you really like the people you're working with. So, we, the word family is actually overused, I think. Oftentimes when you're working in a a typical company, and they say, we're a family here, you can interpret that as you're going to get work overtime without (laughs) that. That's what it often means. Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, by the way, can you work on Saturday? (laughs) Right. But it was very, very important to me that we go beyond the stage, that we connect on other levels. And so... I, it became my family, the family that you choose, and it grew like that. And families are not perfect. They're often dysfunctional, and we have been at times, you know, and dealt with things like that, but it wouldn't trade it for the world. Yeah. yeah it makes you stronger, though, doesn't it? If it does. You, you know, you, you want to get the best out of your performance, and, you know, mm-hmm. having the occasional argument can be a good thing because you want to make it the best, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure that happens a lot. Yeah. It does. Yeah. And uh, more recently, I've seen on Smack is uh, the Puppeteer, yeah. Puppeteer Show. Mm-hmm. But I haven't seen that in the past. Is this like a new new direction? Tell, yeah. us, tell, tell us about this. I love the puppets. It's, it's also, I think the Curator's Cut and Puppets were kind of, came out of COVID in a way, you right. know. Because um, they, they only existed after COVID. So they've been relatively new, like a mm. year, l- less than a year even. And with the puppets, because Eddie, he's kind of the one who... I, I feel like he's the source of, of the inspiration because uh, his school was down and then he had his own puppets and he brought a bunch of puppets from his school because he's like, school's out, you know, the kids aren't coming back for a while and the kindergarten has a bunch of puppets and no one's doing anything with them. So I'm going to bring them to Shanghai. Um, Would you like to play with me? I'm like, yeah, of course, you know. (laughs) So it's just like a bunch of us hanging out, playing with the puppets. We're just like shooting the shit. Like, I, you know, we didn't know anything would come out of it. But it was hilarious. So we'd play and we'd video ourselves and we'd just laugh and laugh and laugh at the videos. And so... I was like, I feel like there's something here. Like, what if we just tried, you know, improv games um, with these puppets? You know, how would it how would it look like? So we just kind of experimented, did stuff, and just really enjoyed it. Um, and so we did our first show, and we had no idea, like, was this going to work? Were people going to think we're funny? Or do we just think we're funny because we know each other? You know? But people really enjoyed it, and it, like, taps into this, like, 
childlike, you know, like in inner like spirit that that you don't get to explore so much. And 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 you know, for a lot of people, it reminds them of like Sesame Street or like you know puppet puppets back in the back in the day we watched when we were kids. Personally, I wasn't. Super into puppetry、um, as a kid, you know. I I I watched Sesame Street, but it wasn't something I was like religiously devoted to. But I saw、um, Puppet Improv when I was in Chicago, and I thought it was really cool.、Mm. So yeah, so we just ran with it. And there's not really an age limit for it because you can do it. You can watch it as an adult. You can also watch、mm-hmm. it. I see little kids, little babies. Yeah, little babies. Watching, watching it. You know what? Yeah. You know, I think a lot about the Muppets. You know, Jim Henson did. And also Pixar. You know, if you watch a Pixar film, there's levels.、Mm-hmm. There's things that clearly are designed for kids and family,、mm-hmm. and then there's those jokes that only adults get. Yes.、Mm-hmm. And that's what we see with pens. You know, when I saw、uh, the Puppet Improv Nep Squad debut, I was obviously still in Thailand, and I had to deal with the cognitive dissonance of a great deal of pride and a great deal of jealousy. Right. <laughs> involved in it. Right. And and now that now that you're back. Back here, Kurt. What what are your main roles now? Well, I'm figuring some things out.、Uh, over the last, I'd say, ten years, I've been exploring what improv means beyond the stage. Improvisation is basically interpersonal dynamics. It's interpersonal communication tools, interpersonal effectiveness tools, and we learned that. And so I got into the realm of corporate training. And as someone who is very much against selling out and very much against the man, <laughs> what I've found is that I can make a difference with individuals. So I get hired a lot to deal with software engineers, for example,、yeah. people who are very highly trained in、uh, in left brain areas, but maybe don't really have experience or training in interpersonal communications. Yes, right. And、Absolutely. so my work has become a lot more organizational focused. My clients are like Apple and Microsoft,、mm. Continental Tires,、uh, Dexter Construction,、uh, large multinationals in、uh, China. And so I'll be continuing to develop that. ZMACWorks is our corporate training arm. It was very important to me that although I am the founder, that I did not come back and assume leadership,、mm-hmm. because for ZMAC to continue to be sustainable and grow. It's not about a fifty-four-year-old white man with a gray beard, you know. So it's much more about today. Yes. And Lillian represents that a lot more, right?、Yeah. So I do help Lillian, and I do advise her when she asks.、Mm-hmm. But I'm very proud of the fact that Lillian has a mind to make her own decision. She takes on board whatever anybody says, and then makes the right choice. I am going to be doing some things on the stage here. I'm going to be revitalizing our two prov night, which is improv、right. duos,、um, and I have some very exciting things planned for 2022:、uh, right. a live stage sketch show, an improvised two-act play where we hijack the sets of existing plays of existing theater companies,、right. and something very new in the realm of Chinese improv. I'll、oh. give you a hint: Doyin. Oh. There you go. Yeah, TikTok is crap, but it doesn't have to be. <laughs> How has it been accepted in China? Are they into the improv? They, like, do they have like? Do you do you find that they're sort of getting the jokes or? Tell us about that.、Um, I mean, we have English, Chinese, and French improv,、mm. and so we kind of have a variety. 
um, both in audience and in the sorry the content that we 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 put out. But also, I feel like with Chinese, I don't know if you want to take this question. I don't know. Okay, here's I feel the like, thing. Yeah, Shanghai <laughs> is an international intercultural city, Absolutely. and one of the reasons I love improvisation is it's very very human. So it is not language-based. Mm. You see a lot of stand-up comedy that might be pun-based or cultural-based, a lot of written and scripted stuff that's very localized. What we realized is that our audience was also multicultural. So we, the most important thing is that we are relatable, right. right? Improvisation works and you laugh at it because you relate to it. It's that kind of humor where you say it's funny because it's true, I've experienced something like that. So we developed... We were, I think, maybe the first organization in the world that developed what we call intercultural improvisation. It's based on three things that every human has in common. Every human has relationships. They have moms, dads, parents, teachers. Every human has emotions. They might express themselves differently, but we share the same emotions. And every human includes in their communication style physical expression. So by focusing on those three areas, we were able to create shows that had a multicultural cast and a multicultural audience and everything was relatable. Mm -hmm. And that has been our mission thus far. If you look at our shows, there are people from different parts of the world. Yes, we do have a French language improv team, but that French language improv team often has performers who are American that speak French or Chinese that speak French. We have a Chinese improv show. And we often have performers from other countries that speak Chinese. And our English language shows are almost, well, they're always an intercultural cast. That's really cool. We do, yeah. Like I feel like if you look at um, a lot of American humor, they tend to be very referential of, like, specific things. And, like, you know, I'm not American, even though I sound American. So, like, like, I wouldn't get it, you know? And I feel like this style has worked for us and has made people feel more included and I think it's more funny, really. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's, I think it's definitely a style that's specific to smack. Um, and I do think improv in general um, in China uh, or in Shanghai has become, has grown. Um, or, you know, we, we're the first improv organization in Shanghai and now there's like multiple Chinese organizations that I don't even know and, the names of anymore. And foreign yeah. foreign managed organizations. There's other improv uh, shows in Shanghai that will have a completely Western cast mm-hmm. or a completely Chinese cast or a completely French cast. Mm-hmm. And those have their audiences. Yes. You know. But one of the things is we do improv for our audience, but we also do it for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm looking here and it's saying, it's telling me like what your sort of influences are, like uh, whose line is it anyway? I don't think a lot of people would even know what that, that show is all they about. They might not, Craig, but if they don't know whose line is it anyway, they probably don't know improv at all. Yeah. Every single show. So Saturday night I went to the uh, Shanghai Improvisational Arts Festival where yeah. Curator's Cut was performing. As we often do, Lillian came out to introduce and she said, raise your hand if you've never heard of improv. And we're constantly surprised at how many people haven't. Mm-hmm. That's good. You that's know, good and that's very good. Yeah. And people immediately love it. I, Because I'm newly back and a lot of the people in the audience didn't know me, at the break, I went outside and was chatting with people, didn't tell them who I was. And they're like, this is so much better than stand-up comedy. <laughs> 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 and I'm like, Yes. 
now sign up for a class. Mm. Yeah, people get confused between um, improv and stand-up a lot. And the concept of like, oh, this is fully improvised. This, they're like, oh, but there, but there's like, there's characters, right? But like, you know, they're they're trying to understand what it is sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Try to tell somebody you have improv practice, and they're like, wait a minute, you yeah. make shit up. What are you practicing? <laughs> <laughs> but that's the really cool yeah. thing because it's live and it's spontaneous, mm-hmm. uh, and that's what I like about it anyway. I, uh, you know, <laughs> and, and even if they make a mistake, that's the good thing about it, and they're trying yeah. to trying to make up for it. That, that, <laughs> yeah. To me, that's that's funny. a lot of people come to us expecting comedy, and the thing is, life is funny. Yeah. So improvisation will have funny moments. And I love that Curator's Cut does not seek to create comedy, but you can't go to a Curator's Cut show and not laugh. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly <laughs> so right. when I when people ask me, well, is it a talk show? Is it stand-up? I Here's how I explain it. Stand-up comedy is one individual with highly prepared material that he, is, he or she is delivering in a way that seems impromptu. Right. Whereas improvisation is, as we do it, collaborative. It's an ensemble. It is created in front of the audience, from the audience suggestion, on the spot, innovation, in real time. But the way that we do it, it looks highly prepared. Yes. One of my greatest experiences is for three years I performed with a musical improv group known as Snap. And we would create like 30-minute like a Broadway musical 30 wow. minutes right away That's... and afterwards the audience would come up and they'd say well it was good but you prepared that yeah and I'd be like no well you prepared it a little didn't you I'm like no well you practice that music and I'm like no because our musical director is it was a genius and he'd play whatever he wanted I mean that's just so talented I mean, <laughs> my god I'm gonna challenge you there yeah. it is not about talent Improvisation is a skill we all have. We forget it as we grow up. When you were a kid, you would play pretend with your friends. You were improvising. But then we get into school and we're taught that plans are important. And in the school system, we're taught that individual achievement is important. So we forget about collaboration. We forget about play. And and plans and individual achievement are very important. But balance is key. We try to provide the other side of that. And how, like, uh, we'll get more into it, like, with the training and, and your schools. I mean, it might be a little secret, but how much is actually planned and, and like, how much <laughs> is actually off, off the cuff? It's not a secret. Like, no, not really. Um, like, something, I mean, the short form and long form are a little bit different. So, like, short form, um, there's, like, different games, right? Each right. game has a rule and it's, yes. like, three minutes, like, who's lying? Um, so we have a sequence for which games are played, and we might even say uh, who's in each game. But that's pretty much it. Like, all the content, all the suggestions are all improvised. Um, and for the long form, we might have, like, a format. So um, we might say we're going to have three scenes. We don't know what the scenes are. We don't know who's going to be in the scenes, but it's going to be three scenes. Um, and then we're going to have a, a game, like a, a game that everyone's going to be in on, and then we'll have scenes again. So, like... It's very roughly kind of formatted, um, but that's just so that it's easier for us to practice, easier for us to have like a consistent outcome of, of something that's watchable. Yeah. But even in those structures, we often let go 
yeah. during the show itself. Yeah. A week ago, Saturday, Curator's Cut had their full show at uh, Punchline. Mm. And Curator's Cut has a structure in which there is a narrator, the curator, who interacts with the audience. And the audience is brought on stage after the break, and they say, well, what's going to happen? And the audience votes on it. One member of the audience that brought on was said, the narrator was behind it all. Ah. And Mark, who was the narrator and not prepared necessarily right. to become part of the scene, mm. said yes. Mm. Um. That, that part is different every time, by the way. We, we change it up um, every show, like how, how we invite the audience to come on stage and what they decide. But So it was specific to that show. We have no idea what they're going to say. Um, and in this situation, the, one, the show that... that Kurt is talking about we we fucked with the format so much because it was like you know we had four people talk about what they want to see happen and we're mm. like maybe we'll vote on one right and then um but someone i think what i don't know if it's one of the actors or one of the audience is like let's use all four and we're like and they oh did. my god they did so we used all four like crazy like all of them were crazy suggestions um and we used all four in the following scenes like and yeah like i feel like that's part of the fun of improv is just like when you're so comfortable with these people you've played with each other you're so com- like you you trust each other so much yeah. it's just like yeah let's do a thing that we didn't talk about have no idea what's going to happen it's unpredictable let's do it and, and then we all commit to the it the audience always becomes yeah. part of the show yes yeah you know, sometimes they'll get. Sometimes you'll hear somebody. You'll meet somebody who knows a little bit about improv, and they're like, "I'm gonna sit in the back because I don't want you to pull me on stage." Yeah. But it's often those very people that, by the second act, when somebody says, "Can I have a volunteer?" They're throwing their hands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah. The, our first show, we were totally like, we don't know how people are going to react to this. Is it too dark? Like, yeah. there's always a lot of death in 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 the curators cut shows, um, and we came on. Like the our first like you know moment on stage, we were all super solemn, just like no smile, straight face, and people started laughing. And we we're like, <laughs> this wasn't supposed to be funny, but people were just cracking up, and it was just super interesting to see how people like got really into it um, as time went on. Yeah, that's really really cool. <laughs> I want to go back into uh, both of your like uh, lives. So let's start with you, Kurt. Born in the USA. The year was 1967. <laughs> it was the tail end of the summer of love, and Nixon was still in the White House. Wow! Well, Come on. Uh, actually, yeah, I was born in Jackson, Mississippi. My mom and dad they moved around a fair bit. My dad was a for a brief period of time, well, no, several years actually, when I was in primary school, he was a songwriter for Johnny Cash. Wow. And uh, wow. my dad was very motivated for me to be Musician. a performer like him, mm-hmm. uh, forced me to sing in front of people, which I did not enjoy being forced. But mm-hmm. how, how old were you when you started? Sort of probably five or six. Probably. I actually was on television at age five. There was a TV show called Romper Room, a kid's TV show. It's the same in Australia. Right. And uh, <laughs> I, I, was, I was on Romper Room and, <laughs> and it was a terrifying experience. But and I you got that, um, can I get that somewhere? Please? No, because, <laughs> because I fear blackmail. <laughs> the life in Nashville was not one that my mom enjoyed. My mom wanted to be a very typical steel magnolia Southern belle yes. with a certain lifestyle. So she kind of laid down the law and told my dad, no, no entertainment. And so he gave it up, moved to a little town in Mississippi and 
you know, I, I spent most of my formative years in Mississippi. Dad was a uh, car salesman, but every two week, two weeks of every year, he'd go to Muscle Shoals, Alabama, and be a backup guitarist and vocalist for a bunch of bands, a bunch of famous uh, southern rock and country bands. And so it's always been in my blood. Right. And when I was in junior college, uh, I did, um, did plays. I was Ebenezer Scrooge in a fully operatic Christmas Carol. I was a random Nazi in Sound of Music. And uh, I, was, I had a very choice role in South Pacific. And I loved it. And so after junior college, I'm getting ready to go to the university, University of Southern Mississippi. And I said to my mom, I think I want to go into performing. And she's like, hell no. Mm. That's, not a, that's, not a, that's not a career that's going to sell like you. So, yeah. so I was pretty clever. I went into television production. All right. After university, I got a job with a Fox affiliate. Let me add a caveat here. This is pre-Fox News. This is Simpsons Fox. Right. <laughs> and pretty shortly thereafter, the Children's Television Act was passed in the United States, which was to prevent children's programming from just being toy advertisements. Right. So what Fox came up with was the idea of localized kids' programming. So in the afternoon, you might have... 30 minutes of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, 30 minutes of Power Rangers, then DuckTales, then Chippendales Rescue Rangers. So the idea was to knit this two-hour block together and keep the kids watching by having interstitial programming, 30 to 60-second programs. There'd be an opening before the first cartoon, different commercial breaks, there'd be little shows. And so I created a character called Mondo Bobby, and we built a set, and I... I was recruiting everybody in the TV station to be part of it. Here's an editor over here. Here's a salesman over here. And we didn't know what we were doing. And I came across a book. This book was called Truth in Comedy. Now, this is, this is a day before the Internet. Our phones were on the wall, and our mail was paper and came to a box <laughs> yeah. in the street. And so this book was about improvisation. And I started to work with my cast on that because we were recording for a full day every week and taping over everything. I do not have records of these tapes because I hated seeing myself so much and we kept recording over the tapes. But then Whose Line Is It Anyways came on the air in the United States. Of course, it debuted in the UK first. And I'm like, this is what we're doing. And, uh, well, it just moved from there. That's an amazing story. What would you say, your university? University of Southern Mississippi. Mississippi, right. And then... Uh, later on, like it said, you've been on TV shows and plays. When did you decide to move to China? And, and is there any sort of particular stories there that well that sort of stand out? Without getting too deep into it, my background, uh, the 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 area I grew up in, is very conservatively Christian. We're in the buckle of the Bible Belt, right. so pretty much everybody I went to high school with got married right out of high school. You know, and I married my my university sweetheart right as like a literally a week after graduation. I loved what I did in television, but it made sense to follow her career. She was a health records administrator, and we wound up going to a very tiny town in Georgia, and my life just didn't feel right. Eventually, one thing led to another. We separated. I moved to Memphis, Tennessee. Wound up in a job I hated. And suddenly, one day, one of the colleagues sitting in the cubicle next to me says, by the way, next week I'm leaving. I'm going to China. And I'm like, why would you go to China? He said, because I can't go back to Japan, which is a whole other story. 
But apparently he had taught ESL in Japan as a young man. So he moved to a city called Changchun, and he loved it. And he said, you should come over here and teach English. And I'm like, I don't know about English. <laughs> and he said, you should come to China. The last thing I remembered of China was as a little kid, my mom watching the meeting between Nixon and Mao. And I remember everybody dressing the same and massive amounts of people. I'm like, why do I want to go there? But I did. I decided to take a year <laughs> off, moved to Changchun, loved it, didn't go back. Moved to Shanghai a year later because I wanted to live in a city. I'd never lived in a big, big, big city. I mean, Changchun is considered a small city of six million, which is already a population larger than my home state. So I moved to Shanghai. I got involved with a theater company here. A British lady ran a theater company called Zulu Productions. And what what, what was this? When did you move to? 2008. So I got involved with the improv workshop, and when they found out that I was the one that was going to keep coming, and I had a little bit of knowledge about improv, I took over running it, and when... The theater company folded, and she moved back to the UK. She's like, here's our database if you want to keep going. So I kept going. Turned it into Smack. And that was 2009. Right. The the Smack. And it's grown and grown and grown, and I'm very proud of it. I'm very proud of Lily and the work that she's done. And very proud. We've now got actors all over the world. Like I mentioned, we've got our our Los Angeles-based Smacker, Tez Yancey, just got cast in a Broadway musical. Our London-Portugal-based smacker, Jody Gillies, she works regularly with Andrew Lloyd Webber in his mm. work. You know, we've got Julian in Paris, who is really rocking the improv and theater world up there. Now, we talked about the Australian girl as well. Well, that's Jody. Yeah. Right, She's right, based right. in London in the UK. Here's the thing. Australia has quite a bit of improv already, and we yes. work with... Most often, we've worked with Impro Mafia out of Melbourne. I think it's right. Melbourne. Yeah, mm-hmm. not sure. Yeah, no but uh, <coughs> we don't try to plant improv where improv already exists. Right. Are you going to come to Australia <laughs> to do? Well, first let's fix COVID. It was time, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, but I mean, we've traveled a fair bit. We already. have. Yeah. Uh, one of our proudest moments was Chicago. Yeah. Being performing on the stages of the Annoyance Theater and the I.O. Theater and hearing people talk about how professional we are, things oh, like that, you know, really yeah. made me proud. And uh, the fact that Smack Virtual has grown to the point that it attracts improvisers from around the world because we have a growth mindset. We're very multicultural. We're very empathetic. You know, we, we care a lot about diversity and representation mm. and understanding what the global majority really looks like. Yeah. But yeah. you, you, Liam, you said you grew up in the UK. Mm-hmm. So tell us about uh, growing up, uh, where, where you graduated, mm-hmm. and why did you decide to come? I want to see if she sighs. <laughs> Usually, whenever I say somebody meet Aunt Lily and say, Where are you from? she go, <sighs> Because you say that, I stop sighing now. <laughs> It, I, so I was born in the UK, but I was only there for three years. So I don't, I didn't really grow up there. I don't really identify with being Birmingham. British. Yeah, I was born in Birmingham, um, and then I was uh, separate from my parents for two years, living with my grandparents in Beijing for two years, uh, and then seven years in Singapore. So, at the time, that was like the longest I've lived in a place. How was that for you, like uh, moving to different places? And I... I hated it. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I mean, I guess. You, uh, 
you'd kind of consider this as like the third third culture kids or third culture adults now. Mm. Yeah, just like I feel like you get a variety of different responses. I mean, there are definitely benefits of, of doing that. I mean, it's a very privileged thing to get to move around at such a young age and, you know, develop a lot of social skills from it. Um, but as a kid, I hated it. Um, my, my dad told me like when I was 12, when we first moved to Shanghai, I was crying and screaming at him. I was like, you ruined my life, you know, because like, I'm, this is all I know. My, all my friends are here mm. and I've studied so hard. Singapore was very academically like yeah. competitive. So, and like, and it was the year of the most, you know, at, at the time, everything, you know, when you're a kid, everything seems like the end of the world. It's like doing, uh, it's called PSLE, it's like primary six leaving examinations, so secondary mm. um, secondary school exams, and it was like the biggest exam of my life. And I studied so hard for it, and the year was going to happen, he said, you're moving. So like all of a sudden, th this exam doesn't matter anymore, yeah. you know? And so I was just so upset, and like I didn't get a choice in this, in, in this situation, and, and, then, and then I moved, and I had to be in a completely new environment um, in Shanghai. And I was like totally the dork, like the, the nerd, like, you know, everyone was so socially, like socially mature and, you know, all the girls were doing makeup at the time and I was still like in glasses and I've sneakers. I've seen pictures, I can verify. <laughs> <laughs> and just like, I was just so lost. And then I was in, in Shanghai for six years until college. Um, I went to San Diego, was in University of San Diego. That's where um, the accent comes. <laughs> yeah. I always loved art, like mm -hmm. visual arts, but I, I, I studied business. I studied finance and environmental science. I had two mm. majors. So not related to theater right. um, at all or even really creative. So it was uh, my, my first few years coming back to Shanghai. After I graduated, I came back to Shanghai for work. Um, I was in finance for uh, several years. Uh, mostly doing merchant acquisition in, in like a boutique investment bank, and then I did in-house merchant acquisition in a big company. And so then, what year was this, sorry, just so you can. Uh, I came back in twenty fourteen. Twenty fourteen. Right. Yeah, and, and that's so when we met, wasn't it? Uh, we met early twenty fifteen. Right, so right. very soon after I came back, and I was in my first job, um, and that's when I met Kurt, and I was like, what How did is that? This how, did that how did that come about? It was a podcast. It was believe it or not. super right, random. There you go. I mean, it technically was. It was for a podcast. It was for something that nobody really knew what was going on. It was on. like an app podcast. Somebody thing. wanted to, you know, this is a city of entrepreneurs. <laughs> yeah. Somebody's got an idea for a startup. They gather people around. So she and yeah. I are in a room, and I brainstorming. I, I meet this 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 young, attractive, energetic, social activist, and uh, we had a mutual friend there. And that mutual friend was a very talented Shanghainese woman who happened to be a performer in Smack, and that's how I knew her. And in the mo mid middle of the conversation... That's not our mutual friend. I didn't know You didn't Janelle. know her? Okay, you didn't yeah. know her. All right, anyway, you knew her. <laughs> but it, keep her name out of it, because I'm about to drop oh, sorry. something. <laughs> so in the middle of this, she says a word. And it's a word that I've removed from my language, because it is a word... Oh. that hurts people of color. It is a word that begins with the letter N. Oh, dear. The thing was, when she said it, Lillian and I simultaneously got very offended and spoke up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that was when we first connected, and then we, we talked after this meeting 
um, and we just wanted to hang out. And mm. so we hung out, and then he's like, "You should come see an improv show." I'm like, well, "What is that? I don't even know what that is." Right. And so my first experience with improv was in Shanghai with Kurt. And I went to go see a show, and I was like, "That's not improvised. You're 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 messing you with me." Yeah. You also yeah. said you could never do it. Yeah, he. But, and yeah. just I don't know you that well, but just I don't see you as the person getting up and going, "Yeah, this is me. Look at me." Like you know, she wasn't. She <laughs> wasn't yeah. not at the beginning. I don't think I'm like that now. I mean, I think that's like a huge um, like misconception about performers or improvisers is that everyone's an extrovert, and oh, that's good lord, totally yes. not true. I'm a yeah. I'm an introvert most of the time. Yeah. Yes. Um, and Which yeah, you've given me a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, and I and and I did um, a workshop. Kurt invited me to a workshop as well to see. Oh, you should you know come to the workshop, see how it works. I was like, okay, cool. Um, and this was like I was young, you know, I just started working. I was partying, so I came <laughs> after like a night of partying, and I was like, you know, in the morning I'm like barely awake, and I'm just like seeing all the people being super goofy together, and I'm like. I can't do this. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is too goofy for me. Yes. You know, and I just couldn't. Like it was just. It shocked me how hard it was for me to do this, even though it's it's just being silly, you know, and and being willing to like open up and like do these exercises and games. And I was like, this is really hard for me. And that was when I was like, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep with keep trying to do this because I want to challenge myself and I want to. You know, see where it goes, and so it was just like out of cu- curiosity, um, and that I kept doing it, and then yeah, <laughs> six years later, I'm now running, uh, running smack. That's yeah, amazing. that's amazing. <laughs> Sorry, I just wanted to go back uh, uh, with the start uh, starting in uh, 2009. So, uh, what was that like starting a new improv? sort of business uh, like what was the reaction at the start there it's a community organization right. first and foremost but we want to make sure that it's about the art right. and not the money um, mm-hmm. so that's one of the most important things but uh, it started out as a workshop different people with different ideas we did not have the name at the beginning because we were operating under the theater's name there was a there are were then and are now a lot of people who may not have been performers in the U.S. but are want to be actors and performers in Shanghai. And so there was a networking night and they asked the uh, theater company, can you provide entertainment for our, network, our artist networking night? She's like, sure, I'll get our improv group. So our very first show was at Mural Bar on Hongshan Road. Hmm. There were 22 people in that show and it was... <laughs> an experience <laughs> it was a hobby at first it was a passion yes. and I was current I was at the time working as the headmaster of an international school out in Songjiang oh. and so I would spend a lot of time leading workshops preparing for shows and eventually things grew and Somebody said, I want to learn this, and so I put together a curriculum. Mm, yes. And that curriculum is a living thing. Lillian has contributed to it and refined it, as has Mark, as has other people, uh, improvisers that have visited with us from Chicago and Austin and London. They've contributed to it. Uh, we don't adhere to any one specific style of improv. And one of the first students in one of our first classes made his living as a corporate trainer, and he's like, you know, a lot of this 
would be very valuable in organizational learning and development. Mm. And then he told me how much he made, and I said, let's talk. <laughs> yeah, right. And so, yeah, it's, that's been my mission ever since. Besides the stage, where can improv be applied? Mm-hmm. And besides whose line style comedy, what else can we do on the stage? Mm-hmm. And uh, I read here that you, you've designed a school as well, teaching classes. There's Mac Improv Training yeah, Center, Mac, yes. Yeah, so it's the training center. Now, I don't know if it's been affected because a lot of the English training centers now, that has nothing to do with uh, your training center. Once again, we're a community organization. Right. And our primary focus is adults. Mm-hmm. We don't often work with children. Uh, we work with 14 and up. And performance-based. We're not language-based. Right. Yes. We're performance-based, not language-based. And that's the thing. We're here to provide something for people's lives. You know, So our classes are very low cost. At least, I think, about 50% of what we earn goes to the teacher. I mean, and that's including, uh, I mean, even before the payment for the space and stuff like that. We often organize our classes to suit the students. You know, people have different schedules here, you know, and so more and more people find out about it. Yeah. One of the cool things um, <coughs> I feel like with my experience of improv is just like going through all the classes. We have like level one, level two, level three. It's just their learning process is so different from traditional school, you know, um, where it's like. You know, the teacher is the vessel of knowledge and the children are, you know, just empty vessels waiting yes. to be filled. And it's just like, it's it, it was just, it, our learning process with improv is so interactive. It's so engaging. It's so, you're, it's experiential, you know, you, you're learning through doing it. Mm. And, and, and then you, and then you talk about it and, and, and think about, you know, what are the takeaways? And it's just so different from our traditional, like, means of education that I was just like this is really awesome you know because the the way traditional schools are are designed it's not for everyone and you know depending on your natural skill sets or you know or the way you were brought up you might take in more or less probably less but um this way of 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 learning is just so different and it's also fun it's like playful and so that was also definitely something that was really attractive for me and why I enjoy doing corporate training or teaching improv as well. And like, I learned so much from teaching, uh, not just, you know, not just teaching these things, but I, I, I get something out of the process as well. So it's just really cool. It's a really cool yeah. thing. I saw one of your videos on your WeChat that was from a couple of months ago and it was a corporate company. Yeah. And you come in and you were doing your improv and they were having so much fun. <laughs> they were laughing. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know what? You could just feel that, yeah. you know, this is something different. And it's mm-hmm. like, let me get out of the office and let me do something that's fun. Those yeah. videos are great because they do show how much fun it is. But yeah. what you don't see in those videos is the end of the day, the debriefing. Right. Yeah. The learning that they share, mm. the, the, the revelations that they have, the aha moments are beautiful and profound yeah. and human. Yeah, um, I just did um, a training with Dow Chemical, and they were, you know, before the training, they said, you know, it's COVID's been really stressful. Mm. Everyone has a lot of pressure at work, and and all these things. We need to talk about stress management and embracing changes in the workplace. 
And and after the training, you know, and it, it's always when when you're training a group of people, you're always kind of like, oh, I'm not sure if everyone is buying into you know the games and seeing how it affects their work or communication skills and such. But even people who are like、mm-hmm. relatively quiet throughout the the training, they shared really really deep takeaways, and it was、mm-hmm. just like I was I was like on the brink of tears because.、Yeah. It's just so rewarding to see people talk about you know caring about each other more and 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 being more positive, supportive of each other, and you know it was just it was just really really nice and and that's really why it's so valuable like to do what we do and yeah it's so different from like the regular training of like lecture based or、yes. PPT based or、and、that's why in、yeah. our corporate training what we do is program design and facilitation. Yeah.、Um, who can do this? Like, what type of people are coming in to to do your classes, your training? Anybody,、um, seriously. Yeah, anyone yeah. really who who's interested and curious about it. Yeah, I mean, the people who come, there's a variety. Some people want to be performers, which is which is fine and cool.、Yeah. And there are also people who are not really interested in being performers, but are interested in the other skills, the soft skills that. Are you know important takeaways from learning improv as well? So we get a variety. You mentioned、yeah. earlier. You asked how did the Chinese receive improv? Yes. When we think about improv, our improv classes for performance, I find that many Chinese are very pragmatic. They're very practical, right? And so when they talk about taking an improv class, they're like, "What exactly do we want to say? You get fun." But they're like, you know what? I I'm devoting some of my precious time. What am I getting out of this that develops me as a human being? So,、yeah. it does build confidence.、Mm-hmm. Obviously, you become a better communicator, better presentation skills, better networking abilities,、mm-hmm. more empathy, things like that. So it absolutely does translate to personal development. But we're very very careful to always remind that although those are benefits, we're here for fun. For performance based, that's why our classes are performance based. We do in our classes often share. This is how you can use this at work.、Yeah. This is how you can use this in your、mm-hmm. relationship. But it's secondary、mm-hmm. in our now in our corporate training. It's a little bit the other way. And, and I've found that、uh, in China, and, and maybe it's not a bad thing, but I've found that、uh, going to the different cities and doing English teaching is that they don't appreciate the arts and the、mm. the performance based. So any, they, any, I would say that they, it's not that they don't appreciate it. This country and the economy have grown so fast,、yeah. and they pulled so many people out of poverty that and and today the moms, dads, and grandparents can still remember the time when yes, things were、course. very hard. Yeah. So there's obviously that practical thing. It's not that they don't appreciate the arts; they just it's it's not the only culture in the world that sees arts as not necessarily an income based profession.、Mm, absolutely,、mm. yeah, and、uh, that's not China either. It's all、that's、over all the world. world. Like my、sure. mom, yeah, <laughs> like she pulled me out of music class in high school because <laughs> she said that's、yeah. not going to make you money. That's not a career. Yeah, but take a look at COVID. Yeah. All this time we were stuck at home. Where would everyone be without Netflix? That's right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah. And, and you go back to that online、uh, improv as well. I mean, so getting back to、uh, the question before, can you do classes online, or do you have to sort of be in the city to to do these classes? I mean, I think I think especially like through COVID and and 
experimenting with different things. I think you can do improv online. I think it's a whole different beast, though. It's, Absolutely, it's its own th- own mm. own thing. And and how how have the, how have the people how have like your fans sort of reacted to the online uh, watching an improv online? Well, it depends on where you are. If in, if you're in a part of the world that has opened up and you're going back face-to-face, you don't want to spend time on Zoom because you spend enough time mm. on it and it won't work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But for places like the Philippines, um, for uh, the Thailand, uh, many parts of the U.S. where people are still at home, it has become a valuable community. Mm-hmm. That is the most important thing that has emerged from yeah. online improv is a community of like-minded people. Going back to the idea of this Mac family, improv kind of foments a family. Mm-hmm. And so that's been the biggest takeaway for me about online improv. Mm-hmm. You don't do it to say, we're going to do the best show and make the audience happy. Because in online improv, the audience is largely improvisers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think with online improv, there's been, you know... A huge like increase in accessibility there are a lot of people who their only experience of improv has been online oh like right. they didn't they maybe always wanted to do it but never had the time or yeah. never had the opportunity and they're doing improv because there's so many different opportunities to do improv online now and their entire improv career is online yeah it, we've been able to reach people so a lot of our work especially Lillian's is in diversity and inclusion and representation, a lot of her corporate training work. And one of the things, the beautiful things that has emerged from the online improv community is a different type of representation. While we talk a lot about BIPOC and global majority, LGBTQIA2S+, one of the things that's emerged is the neurodivergent community. People that are on the autistic spectrum, ADHD, with personality disorders, introverts, things like that. People that would not come get on the stage, Mm. they now can access this. One of the greatest compliments I got was in our very first improv class. Somebody messaged me and said, I have to tell you, this is the safest, most confident I've ever felt. Mm -hmm. Because at any time they could turn off their camera. Plus, we're very good at managing spaces and making sure that we maintain a conversation about boundaries and comfort. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, you want to give some, some shout out to some of the performers of uh, Smack that are not here today? Yeah. <laughs> Mark has definitely been um, a huge, uh, especially when, when, when Kurt was gone, but also now, been a huge part of kind of the Smack leadership. And, uh, Mark, yeah. is, Mark came to us with very little, if no, performance experience, no improv experience something he'd always wanted to try. He really dove into the classes. He was, he joined the musical improv team with me and became my favorite improv partner. We would right. wind up on stage in relationships all the time. <laughs> um, and I saw that he had a lot to do with the third, uh, the typical heroes as well, is that correct? He is the associate producer. He has right. been, he's been the person who's been behind the scenes for a lot of it. He is currently the director of Curator's Cut, mm-hmm. and he is Max R&D director. He is the person who tries to help develop new improv ideas for online. He's also one of our most popular improv teachers and corporate training facilitators. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's absolutely one of my favorite people in the world. <laughs> also based in Shanghai as well. Yes, he is. Yeah. Right. yeah. So you got, you got some uh, based in Bangkok, Chicago... Um, so London, Paris, uh, 
Yeah. San Diego, Graz, Austria, Bangalore, India. Wow. Yeah, Manila. I've, I've written uh, down here. Manila, Kuala Lumpur. Yeah. Hong Kong, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've they're they're everywhere. Yeah. yeah. I can't I can't wait till we <coughs> can travel again. Like I mean, I think that's one my favorite things as well about you know doing smack and and improv is that. Um, there are festivals everywhere, mm. you know, and and like in, even in my you know six years doing Smack, um, we've gone to Chicago, we've gone to. Has it only been six years that I've been doing improv? Yeah, it feels like forever. It feels like forever. I know, <laughs> but yeah, we've been we've been to Bangkok, we've been to Manila. Um, I didn't go to Hong Kong and Singapore with we've you guys, been to but Chicago. you guys have been. Yeah, and of course we've traveled all over China. Mm. Yeah, you know, different it, cities in China. Yeah, too. we we get invited to different cities. We've got an upcoming project to introduce Smack into Ningbo. Mm. Um, yeah. There is a there's a very active group of improvisers in Shenzhen. We're trying to have an exchange with. Mm-hmm. We just we, did a tour in Beijing. We have a very yeah. good relationship with Beijing Improv. Yeah, often exchange with them. We'll go there. They'll come here. Mm-hmm. Things like that. And, and you said uh, for the future, what do you say for the future for Smack? <laughs> I mean, I feel like. For me, like my main priority is just to, like, solidify like the things that we have now, like make our team stronger, better quality, um, and hopefully when we have more opportunities to travel. I yeah, mean, right, right now we can travel within China, which yeah. is also definitely. Really I think cool. this is the reason like, Lily and I work so well together. It's how she became a leader in Smack is. I am. I'm about big ideas and expanding and visions. And Lillian is about strengthening. So if we didn't have each other, you know, Smack wouldn't be what it is. You know. But yes, there are plans. You know, there's there's a group of people in Surabaya who are very interested. I've been talking to people in Yangon, Myanmar. But these are places in the world that are not accessible to us right yes. now. And I do want to return to Bangkok at some point. Yes. Yeah. You know, because what we had there was very different. Our our Thai smackers are very different than our Chinese smackers. Yeah. So. And again, how have the Thai community sort of uh, come you know, smack? Well, they love it. Uh, they're a li- they tend to be a little bit more hesitant because they're just naturally demure in a lot of ways, but. When you open, when you open up, when they open up, they're very childlike in a very beautiful way. They have a history of art and love and appreciation. Mm-hmm. The concept of sanuk or having fun is very, very important. The concept of aesthetic is very important in Thai culture. But the thing is, having worked in both China extensively and Thailand extensively, I do believe this would work in every culture and any yes. culture. Yes. Yeah. And what would you say to someone that, that wants to join a, like the training or someone that wants to come and watch it for the first time, but they're not... You know, not sure. Not sure. What, what would you say to them? Just do it. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you can come watch as a fan. You want to sit in the back, fine. You can try a workshop. There's no pressure whether you take a class or not. You can take a class. It doesn't mean you have to be a performer. Mm-hmm. You can participate in a corporate training workshop or a personal development workshop. You can do what works for you. Our mission is to touch everyone who encounters improv with joy. With joy and playfulness and that balance that a lot of people are missing. And different people take different things away from it. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. 
great answer. Why haven't you tried it? <laughs> yeah, never say never. <laughs> I'm rocking out with my band. I'm, I'm Josh just did 101. Yeah, so the yeah. singer in my band, Josh, Josh Pemberton, he, he yeah. was a part of it, wasn't he? Yeah, he was yeah. great. He's a genius, man. Yeah. yeah, but I know you guys have been doing a lot of stuff with the very, band, so very, very busy. It's more time constraints. Very, we get it. Yeah. yeah, but we'll get you one day. <laughs> <laughs> we maybe we'll combine something. Yeah. <laughs> Social media, guys. Um, uh, where can we find you online? And what events uh, do you have come up and coming? WeChat is Smack Improv, and our website is Smack. dot net. Smack. dot net. Yes. Yeah. Uh, We've got a fairly active YouTube channel, which is uh, which is primarily our online work. Mm-hmm. A lot of in- small sketches from typical heroes, entire recordings of shows. We have an Instagram. We have a Facebook page. But you know, and anything that y- you know, you go to your basic search engine, your Bing, your Google, whatever, and you type in Z M A C K. I chose this name. That's that's the question. How did, how, how did this come about? Oh boy! <laughs> All right. So, hey, are you familiar with the 1960s Batman TV show? Not very very old. <laughs> so it. I'm I'm a nerd for comic books. So when it comes up and he hits it, it goes. You see a big sound effect. Uh, pow! Blam! Zap! Right. right so right. the organization, the theater organization that I originally did improv workshops with, was known as Zulu Z U L L O Z U L O O Zulu Theater. The founder was a woman named Juji. Her name has two Z's in it. So she very she's British. So Z. So she very much appreciates that letter. So when we first began performing, the team did not have a name. And one day she's frustrated that people aren't showing up for practices. And she said, if people don't show up, I'm going to give you a big Zulu smack. And everybody made fun of that. So we said, that's her name, Zulu smack. And it's just so, Zulu smack, Zulu, it's so awkward. Hmm. So when Zulu kind of folded up and moved back to Brighton, uh, where they are now and in the UK, and they're still going strong, She's like, here you go. You can do what you want with the database. And I'm like, let's just shorten it to Zmack. Let's make a Batman-style comic book sound effect. And the thing about it is, once you hear the name and learn the name, you don't forget it. Mm-hmm. Z-M-A-C-K. It is Zmack, one syllable. You say Z-Mac, I'm fine. But we did have one British guy who kept calling it Z-Smack. And I'm like, I'm not going to tolerate that. Well, you type in Full Throttle, my, my band name, and so many, it's a power drink, it's a, <laughs> it's a brand name, and you put smack in, bang, come up, come up with your YouTube and your... And your the thing is, to be honest, we're not very good at marketing. <laughs> it's our weakest. It's our weakest area, so yeah. we've grown in a way that makes me very proud. We've grown organically by connecting with individual people. Mm. I would like to have more marketing, but you know, it's not about being big. Mm. You know, it's about one person at a time. That's how anybody's going to change the world, yeah. by connecting with one person at a time. Yeah. Australia. My main audience is Australia. Uh, Post-COVID, I don't know where that'll be, but coming down there, you said you've got uh, connections in Melbourne. Well, we work a lot with uh, Improv Mafia and the Corporation Improv. Uh, there's a wonderful, wonderful man down there named Luke Rimmelswan. Fantastic instructor, fantastic performer, just the biggest lovable bear you've ever met. Mm. If you're in Australia, if you're near a major city, mm. there's improv, most likely. 
go try it. It doesn't have to be smack. But I bet if you ask them, have you ever heard of us? They probably know one of us. Yeah. And would we go there? Absolutely. Yeah. I don't think we've been there. We've not yeah. been there because one, COVID. Yeah. Two, COVID. <laughs> you know, but it, it's not something we wouldn't do. We would absolutely yeah. do it. But uh, again, we're uh, we're focused a lot on Shanghai. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. I do miss traveling though, and I was I I I'm super excited when when you know things open up that we'll get the chance to travel. We are planning places. A festival in Portugal. Wow. Um, our smacker who's based there, Jody, who is the Australian, actually, that I mentioned to you, she misses it so much that she's like, when things open up, we're going to plan one here. 2023 is our goal. And that's what we're hoping. <laughs> we're sure. hoping. Probably the largest improv festival in Asia and most professional is the Manila Improv Festival. Mm-hmm. Of course, the Philippines are struggling right now, but that will come back. Hong Kong Improv Festival is coming in late October of this year. Wow. It's focused primarily on Hong Kong teams, because mm. there are several, but we will be participating via Zoom in some short bits. Oh, that's great. That's um, yeah, and of course, Beijing tends to have an improv festival. Here in Shanghai, we've, off, we've, had, we've come to, we've organized festivals, but we've moved it to what we call the Unfestival, mm-hmm. so that it has less pressure, yes. less pressure about it, and it's more just about... The, the different improv organizations coming together and meeting friends and playing together and experimenting. And the audience gets to love that. Yeah. Improv Mafia has come to Shanghai, though. And we've had, we have had Korea. We've had the Philippines. We've had... Um, we've had folks Beijing, from Chicago. Chicago. Sharna yeah. Halpern, who is the founder of the IO Theater and uh, probably, and probably, she was the partner of probably the most influential American improviser, Del Close, who is one of the most important improv teachers to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. She came to Shanghai and she was just... 2015. 2015. She was moved to tears to see how what she and her partner had developed had spread. Mm -hmm. But, you know, improv does not belong to any one person or one organization. As a matter of fact, if there's somebody out there that does not have an improv organization nearby them, go online, maybe take a class if you want, maybe watch some videos, get with your friends and start fucking around. (laughs) You'll figure it out. There are some rules that, well, tools. Tools. Tools, guidelines. Guidelines. This is the most important one right here. Yes and. (laughs) Right? And then once you know yes and, which is agreeing and building... You have the first basic building block, and you're actually ready to get on stage at that point. But our curriculum teaches and refines different forms and formats and skill sets and things like that. Mm. That's really, really cool. <laughs> all right, let's get close to wrapping up. At the end of all my podcasts, um, I just ask some little uh, quick questions, and you tell me your top two or three favorite as of today. So the first one is music. You do improv, you've done improv music before. Can you tell me uh, your two or three top favorite uh, bands or artists as of today? Uh, My number one favorite is a band called Fulcrum, which is a live British rock band based here in Shanghai. Um, I love their work. Uh, The lead, the the singer-songwriter of Fulcrum actually provides the music for Typical Heroes. Ah, there you go. I'm a massive fan of the band They Might Be Giants. Very geek rock, indie type of stuff, 80s fan. And I deeply love jazz, which is in and of itself a tool of improvisation. Mm, Absolutely. We're talking about our old friend Frank. 
He just gets up and goes, okay, what song do you want to play? You can't okay. stop him. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> if he hasn't played that song for 20 years, I'll just work out some, some I'll figure it, I'll figure something out. So, yeah. And, and for you, Lillian? I don't know. This is a really hard question for me. Like a specific song that I like right now, like What's Going On by a non-blonde. For non-blonde. For non-blonde, yes. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Like we, we did a really cool thing. Um, also kind of came out in the last year or so. Hasn't been going on lately, but I think the concept is really cool where we've kind of mixed music and improv. And so it's like a band essentially, but we only do improvised music. And we even have um, a game where we invite an audience member to play, to be the base of um, a piece. So like the xylophone or something, something simple. And they find um, you know, a, a melody that they like and they keep repeating it and then the band plays around them. Wow. Um, so that's like that's really a really cool. cool thing. And technically I'm not a musician. That's, one of, that's of one of Mark's creations. This yeah. is how brilliant this man is. Yeah. <laughs> Two places that you visited your favorite and then two places that you want to visit i love thailand and pro- probably because like we've had so many shared experiences when, when kurt was in thailand we visited i mean, even Wonder. before we were in thailand a lot to t- kind of you know do workshops and shows and 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 you know garner interest for for smack um just just so many you know positive memories there and we even took a vacation in kalanta together and so, yeah, I love the food. I love the people I've met there. Um, and so, yeah, that would be... That's one of my favorite, like, places with, like, positive memories and yeah. probably one of the first places I want to Amazing. visit. Um, cheap food. Yes. <laughs> good food. And it's so That's simple, cheap. isn't it? Yeah, simple. and, like, so much good tropical fruit yeah. and beaches. Love the beaches there. Um, and... Second one, I guess San Diego. Like I haven't been back in a really long time, and it's always perfect weather. And again, beaches. I love beaches. <laughs> um, so that probably be my top two. And yeah. where where do you want to in the future? Probably uh, the same. <laughs> the same place. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Any place like, you haven't been that you want yeah, to go? Yeah, somewhere that you haven't been to yet. What? Portugal. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Um, I guess I just. I mean. I, to be honest, before Jody's idea with Portugal, I wasn't super interested in going to Europe. Just Have you it's heard expensive. of Portugal before? Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> but of all the places I've been, um, I haven't been much to Europe at all. So I guess like, I mean, I am I, I, excited at the, at the idea of going, but I don't really know much about Portugal. So I don't know, you know, like, oh... I would love it because... It's got X. Jody and that's enough for me. And for you, Kurt? Well, uh, the places that mean the most to me, I just returned to my favorite city in the world. I mean, I told you as a kid I moved around a lot. Never yes. lived in one place more than seven years. Mm-hmm. But I lived in Shanghai nearly 15. This is my home. Yes. So I'm very happy to return here. Um, obviously Chicago is a very important place for me. I'm not from Chicago, but it is considered the home of a lot of Western improv styles. Mm -hmm. And so I was very proud of what we accomplished there. Chicago in the summer. In the summer, yeah. (laughs) Not the winter. winter. It can get very cold. Uh, and of course, uh, Thailand. Thailand's always meant a lot to me because of the 
I love the Buddhist culture. Even if people are not Buddhist, they have a very Buddhist attitude, a very mm. Buddhist belief. They they care about one another. They care about family. I can't do improv workshops on Sunday because people are with their family. I love that. Mm. And uh, there's a lot of things I love about it. Where do I want to go? Well, Bangalore. Mm. I really mm. want to go to yeah. India. I want to experience that. Having It's been one of the most beautiful things about... Smack Virtual is meeting the improvisers in India. They're some of the most beautiful people I have ever met. And I want to return triumphant to Chicago. We're already triumphant. 2016, we went to Chicago. We brought 13 improvisers, Mm. right? 13. We performed 10 shows. Really? Yes. Oh my God, that's a Mm. lot. Um, and we did classes at different at different theaters, and it was just like the best two weeks ever. Um, and we, we lived, all slept in, lived in a big house together, a big yeah. Airbnb, with a lot of yeah. weirdness and dysfunction and meals and stuff like that. But it was so much fun meeting so many improvisers, and it just like it's it, that's a, a really cool thing, like going to different places. And you meet the improvisers and automatically you're like part of the community because it's yeah. like we share this like common love for this art form that is still, you know, kind of niche, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, it's almost 55 years old now. It's yeah. old as me. But, yeah. well, it's older than me for sure. But if you consider improv as a performance art, yeah. yeah. So it's still relatively new to a lot of folks. Yeah. Now, now for you, uh, some of your two or three uh, favorite improv uh, artists or performers. My biggest inspiration is Phil Hartman. Where right. Phil Hartman from Saturday Night Live. Yes. Now, the interesting thing is, if you're a listener and you're a Saturday Night Live fan, he may not be the first Saturday Night Live cast member that comes to your mind. And he didn't necessarily have these standout characters that moved into movies. But here's the thing about Phil Hartman. Every scene he was in, he made better. There's a story about when he was with the Groundlings in L.A. and he won some sort of award for being Performer of the Year and he turned it down because he said, my job is to support other people. And if I'm standing out like this, I'm not doing my job. That's very humble. I am a massive devotee of Conan O'Brien and similar talk show hosts, Letterman, Carson, like that. And uh, and I my upcoming show that I'll be debuting in 2022 is very much inspired by the work of Conan O'Brien. Mm. He's a complicated person. He's vilified in a lot of ways and very deservedly so. But Del Close, Del Close was a madman, a mm. drug addict, an alcoholic, and quite an asshole. But <laughs> if it had not been for him and the mystique that surrounded him, he was known as Saturday Night Live's house metaphysician. Mm. He was the one that taught Belushi. He right. was the one that taught Aykroyd. And so had it not been for his work, his personal foibles notwithstanding, had it not been for his work, we wouldn't be here having this conversation with you. Mm. Yeah, right. Mm. And to you? Um, I mean, obviously, the person, like, the improviser that's influenced me the most is probably Kurt. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he How taught me How much did improv. I offer to pay you to say that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't follow a lot of pop culture, so, you know, I don't know a lot of actors. And I might know them by their face, but not by their names. Yeah. But, like, Kurt obviously introduced me to improv but also he really believed in me and supported me and pushed me to be where I am today like I was not good 
as an improviser when I first started, but he saw my potential and, you know, consistently empowered me to keep going and to get better. Oh, nice. And and so you'll get there one day. <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah, and now, you know, I have enough confidence and I have the confidence to, to you know, create a new format, you know, and that's just... When I when I think about you know five years ago or six years ago when I first started this would have been not been what I anticipated or imagined of my future. Keep in mind, um, she's the creator of Curator's Cut. <laughs> she's the one that created it. Yeah, and it's just um, yeah, my life is completely different. You know, going from you know nine to five, nine to six, um, doing finance to now like full time doing improv. Yeah. it's just really crazy. Yeah, and. Um, and it's not easy. It's definitely has its stresses, but I wouldn't choose to do anything else at right. this point in my life. Um, another like favorite coach I've had in Chicago was um, Liz Allen. She completely, I know one of the cool things about improv as well is every coach has a different style. And that's one of the beautiful things is that you might have a curriculum, but you teach it in your own way. Yes. And you talk about the philosophy or how you learn um, like your own experiences and how this thing compelled you in a different way because everyone's so unique. And she was definitely someone who kind of deepened my love for improv with like she's she's very into kind of the emotional side and she's not afraid of conflict we always talk about in beginning levels like avoid conflict you know mm. and it's a good rule um as a fundamental but she's like you know if the conflict is 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 you know makes uh the conflict is real not just for the sake of conflict um and and, and she just was very like spiritual. She is a student, direct student of Del Close, and her her style was just so different for me and and so interesting. Um, and so I I really feel like after you know learning with her, like my own style of teaching and how I look at improv also changed. And I guess Viola Spolin, just because um, there's still a lot of improvisers who don't know about her, and she. She didn't, she wasn't so much um, an improviser for, you know, for performance. She did improv, she used improv as a tool to teach children and to teach, um, to, to do a lot of like social work and stuff like that. And like kids who are in underprivileged areas. And this was like 1930s, like a long time ago. This was during the Great Depression. It was a works project administration. And yeah. this is very important to remember. You'll see a lot of white men on the stage in improv. Yes. But this art form was created by women for children. Yeah. Right. Right. So, Kurt, can you tell me about your first ever performance? As an improviser? Yes. I guess it would be on WXXV Fox 25 in Gulfport, Mississippi, on the air, trying to make things up for kids to continue watching so that they would see the commercials for the various advertisers that we had. And it uh, did not feel great. And that's one of the things that continues to this day. Even with over 35 years of experience, I'm still get, I still get the jimmies every time I get on stage. Oh, yeah. Um, my really? first performance experience was probably um, after 101, uh, Improv 101. So we had our graduation show. Um, how, how long is that? Like, like, uh, it's 20 hours, five weeks of four hour classes mm -hmm. and all of our, all of our classes finish with a performance. Mm -hmm. 
um, which is quite unique also. But I don't really remember that much about it, except that it probably wasn't that great. <laughs> but it was a lot of fun, you know. And the cool thing um, about our classes is that people bond so much yes. after the class, and they really connect with each other, and they're friends. And doing the show together for the first time, you just get this like high, and and we talk about it a lot, like after show high, the adrenaline. I'm sure with music you get that too. It just feels amazing, you know. Mm. Um, and I'm not typically a performer, so well, I did a lot of dance, but not like speaking performers. So it was it was it was definitely a very different experience, and especially the adrenaline that comes with like. We're here, and we have no idea what's gonna happen, and we hope it goes well, you know. And you have to trust each other so much, um, and yeah, that's super, super exciting. So, are you preparing a lot, or do you get nervous before the show, or is it like just come natural now? Like we do, we always do warm ups before the show, so we always meet an hour ahead and. Okay. We warm up like vocally. We warm up like you know with some simple improv games, just mm. so that we get into the mode of like thinking on the spot. And also, know? it helps you connect with your castmates. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And yeah, we still get still get the jitter, still get nervous. Um, every show, um, sometimes for different reasons. Like Kurt came back recently, so he just watched our curator's cut for the first time, and I was like, "Oh God, I hope he likes it." <laughs> <laughs> and I was so nervous that you know he was gonna like that we were gonna like fuck something up. Um, she comes to me after the show and she says, "Do you have any feedback?" And I'm like, "No, I was watching it as a fan." <laughs> <laughs> and he was sitting front and center, and I was like, "Oh God, he's so close." Regarding <laughs> nights. Yeah. <laughs> I tend to make people nervous. So fine. <laughs> um, but it was great, and he loved it, and and yeah, it was it was it was a great show. So and yeah, you never know. It, we've had bad shows, like it happens, you know. Um, but I think when you're with a good team, like you said, like there are mis- sometimes you make mistakes, but you kind of use the mistakes in the show, and it becomes like. You know, a, a fun thing or it becomes part of the shows. story. Yeah, those are the best shows. Those are the best shows. We do yeah. sometimes have shows that are less than what we'd like them to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but one of my favorite teachers, Mick Napier, former artistic director of Second City and founder of the Annoyance Theater, something he says always comes to mind. The worst thing about improv, no matter how good that show was, it's over in an hour. Yes. The best thing is, no matter how bad that show was, it's over in an hour. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Last question, guys. Who is your greatest inspiration slash hero ever? That's a hard question. It, it is. Hard... <laughs> it is. I have two. Okay. One is my dad. I don't want to get too choked up here, but... Uh, He gave up a career that he wanted. He did not learn guitar or songwriting until after my brother and I were born. He went nights to junior college to study this. Moved the whole family to Nashville, and he gave it an honest try. And he gave up that life for us. Now, I was very proud that he would spend two weeks a year following his passion. He always played that guitar, and he always sang every chance he got. But I do a lot of this because he couldn't. And it may sound cheesy, but the other biggest inspiration in my life is Lily. 
because I met her and she knew nothing about improv. She went from being a student to a performer to a leader and she, her very existence validates my whole mission. It's amazing. <laughs> Truly amazing. And you, William? I've already said Kurt, so I can't say Kurt again. (laughs) You can't. (laughs) I'll be expecting a WeChat message. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I think maybe I'll just, not like one single person, Mm -hmm. but maybe just like people who who follow their passion, you know, who do, you know, artists and, and, and people who do things out of passion and they follow what they want to do and not just what society tells them should be the way, you know? And I, I mean, one of the unintended consequences of like doing improv and and switching to this career, um, I've had family members like my cousin and, and my, my sister tell me how, how they've been inspired because I'm choosing to do what I, I'm passionate in. And like, Absolutely. and that I feel like, you know, when you see other people follow their passion, it inspires you to do the same because you feel like, oh, it's possible. It's not just a dream. It's not just a, a concept you thought of when you were a kid and it's not impossible. So I think like all people who are artists and follow their dream, and even if it, they're not doing it full time, they're just committed to doing it on the side or or putting time and energy into it i think like you know they're all very inspiring including you know activists and and feminists who are doing things that are so against the norm in their home country or you know their local culture but they are still so committed to it and Mm -hmm. and there's just yeah there's just so many people who are inspiring one of the things that really will throw lillian into a very beautiful relief is when you meet her mom and dad. Her mom and dad are very, in many ways, very traditional Chinese, although with very international experience. Mm. But my God, are they proud of her. Mm. And my God, do they love improv. They've both studied improv. They show up at every show. Yeah. And not because of Lily, because they love it. They At the beginning, when I was first making this switch... Um, and I told them, like, I wanted to try doing this full time. They were like, you're crazy. Like, yeah. This is, this is, it's unpredictable. It's not stable. You don't have a, you don't but have a salary. But that's just like a knee-jerk reaction, right? Yeah, And now her mom, sure. who was a celebrated chemist for a lot of companies like Dow, yeah. she's like, you've got to tell me more about what you do so I can tell more people. Yeah, that's right. They're, <laughs> they're so super supportive. Wow. And like. And, and yeah, I, she was dragging me around the curator's cut show at intermission saying, if you met Kurt, he's the founder. He's the founder. Have you met Kurt? He's the they're, founder. They're so cute. They're so yeah. super cute. And I, and I, I'm really thankful to them for being so supportive now. Like, and, and my mom actually told me that recently too, just like they, they weren't sure at the beginning and they, you know, they just want a, a good life for me, yes. but they saw how hard we were working and, mm-hmm. you know, how great we were doing. And she felt really moved. My mom and dad passed. And uh, my brother and I are kind of estranged because of his lifestyle. But when I look at Lily and know her as long as I've known her, I have actually seen her family strengthen 
in love mm. since she started doing this work. Mm. Her relationship with her parents, her relationship with her sisters is beautiful and stronger. Her sisters don't do improv, but they love what we do. Her mom and dad do it. They love what we do. Mm. And so you go all the way back to family. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And and for someone, you know, for people like my parents, like they're much older and, you know, they are very practical. So they do things, you know, I've been to, I've been, I've been put into, when I was 14, I was put into a program called Money and You, <laughs> basically teaching children how to be financially successful. So these are the kind of people they are, you know, yeah. just very driven um, in a specific they're way. Not, but they're not the only ones, trust me. Oh they're yeah, for sure, for sure. And for them to kind of like make such a big change, yes. um, yeah, it was just really cool to see that. Modern, yeah. modern China, modern Shanghai. It's well, just, it's changing. Yeah. The yeah. Chinese government and the Chinese society are seeing more and more value in humanities and arts, mm. and that's growing. And I'm very proud to be here for it. Yeah. 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 Improv is also, I would want to say one more thing. Like, <laughs> 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 Improv is also like taken me to places, like not just geographically, but like I've done things in the last like five years that I never thought I'd do. Like I've mm. been doing voice acting and I like for wow. commercials and video games. Um, I've been doing like I was just a, a model for like you can see piece. her on Nike so, billboards across <laughs> the I was uh, yeah I was in a Nike campaign um, and like yeah just like different things that you know I would have never imagined I'd be able to do but it's like and also I think that's part of China where it's like you you can get to try so many different things too we're very yeah. very fortunate to be here yeah, yeah. well yeah. on that note that was fantastic thank you very much for coming <laughs> thank in thank you Craig really really appreciate <laughs> thank it you. I just really like your vibe. I really like how, you know, it's, it's an art. And yeah. it's, you're getting up and you're doing something that you're so passionate about, like you talked about before. Yeah. Very passionate about it. And fun, family, and it's just all positive. It's yeah. none of this negative sort of attitude. And people to come to watch the improvs. So they want to have a good time. Yeah, yeah. Come out and have yeah. a good time. The audience for improv is so different from stand-up. Exactly. Like, everyone there is, like, rooting for you, you know? They, like, mm. want you to do a good yes, job. Yes, that's the thing. <laughs> no matter how bad you think your show is, the audience is probably loving it. Yeah. When's your next show, by the way, in Shanghai? Um, I don't think we have one scheduled in the books just because of the holiday. Oh, um, gotcha. But we're hoping to do a jam uh, end of October. Okay. We're going to be bringing two prof back in November. I'm teaching. I'm now that I'm back. I'm teaching level three hundred one, which is our upper level, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll be that'll be turning into a new show for Zmac with a long form called the Deconstruction. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, we're we're kind of reorganizing a little bit to kind of embrace the strangeness of COVID and things yeah. like that, and make sure that we can provide the right opportunities for this Mac family. So. Mm-hmm. Just follow our WeChat. Yeah, and you'll absolutely. find out. Yeah, and you can uh, you can look at the training. You can go to a show. Yeah, and you can get to see after COVID where they're going um, internationally <laughs> and yeah. in China. Yeah. So all yeah, the... meet two of us on the street. We'll do a scene for you. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so all, all the very best and good luck. Thank, Thank you, Craig. You so Thank much. you very much. <laughs> Three, two, one.